Welcome back to the What's Your One More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, and here we are at episode 135. And, you know, if you've been listening to the show, one of my favorite things to do is really kind of point out Jerome Powell and some of the Powell-isms, if you may. And so as a, as a part series, we love doing the whole Live from New York, it's all about Jerome Powell show. I'm going to kind of continue with that right here in this theme. You know, he was on 60 Minutes uh, Sunday of this week. Today is uh, Thursday. He was on there Sunday. And uh, if you got a chance to watch that 12-minute, uh, you know, infomercial, if you may, about the Federal Reserve and the uh, and uh, some of the economy aspects that he spoke about, um, it was interesting. But more importantly, you know, our job on this show is to essentially educate viewers and listeners on facts and not opinions. Now, we do share our opinions, but we also try to back it up with the facts that kind of derive those opinions. And this is going to be one of those examples where, you know, obviously, whenever whenever we get a chance to kind of, you know, point out some things that don't make sense, uh, we're going to do it. And this was exactly that. And I think you know, Jerome Powell has become one of the most, um, how can I say it, that you could use the word notorious, but probably one of the most well-known uh, Federal Reserve chairman in the history of, of the Fed. And, and that's because with the media coverage we have today, as well as social media coverage, um, there's nothing like that before. So, you know, in the past, when a, when a Fed president would go take the podium after a Federal Open Market Committee, no one cared. Like it didn't mean anything. Now you've got a YouTube channel that streams it live and millions of people watch it. So, I mean, just kind of offer some perspective of one of the reasons why he's probably one of the most popular ones. And whenever we do on these episodes, it gets more views than, than other, you know, it gets a lot of views, not, not the most, but it gets a lot. So just kind of stay with that aspect. Let's, let's go into it. So Scott Pelley conducted this interview on 60 minutes. Um, obviously I, I don't watch a lot of 60 minutes, but whatever I get a chance to watch some of them I'm going to talk about, I do. And this whole topic of conversation is about the fed, what do they see coming, why they're doing what they're doing and a lot of historical evaluations from Jerome Powell on here. And uh, for, for the most part, I thought that there were some key things that came out of this interview that just kind of led to this podcast. And the first one was, you know, hey, listen, are you avoiding a recession? Are we going to have a recession? And then why not cut the rates? And, you know, just a kind of a flashback. Uh, two weeks ago when the Federal Reserve met, they decided to do another pause and not cut rates. And as Jerome Powell went to the podium, um, you know, he kind of made some commentary that the Federal Reserve was um, not a guaranteed rate cut in the month of March. They're going to evaluate the data as it comes in and see if they can get price stability in the market, as well as, uh, you know, maximum employment and a target inflation rate of 2%. So he kind of took the wind out of the sails of the markets, if you may, by saying that. And this seems to be the good cop, bad cop rule, if you may, like, hey, I'm going to give you a little good, and then I'm going to have a bad cop, maybe another the Fed, uh, you know, voting member comes out and says their opinion on why we should or shouldn't cut rates. All of these things sway the market. And it's almost as if the Federal Reserve um, picks their battles, picks their entry points here. It's almost like, hey, let's protect the stock market, but we're not too worried about the other markets. And we're going to make commentary to kind of sway that. And you see it happen way more than historically, I can imagine. And again, going back to media coverage, maybe that's the case. But he led by saying, Pelly said, hey, you avoided a recession, so why not cut the rates, right? And this is right out the gate. This is one of the things they talk about. And I look at it as Powell's comments is, I'm going to read the transcript here. We're going to put it on our YouTube channel at What's Your One More. That's at What's Your One More. Uh, this whole transcript will be on there. But I, I kind of highlighted the sections I wanted to talk about because these are the ones, the rest of it's just kind of historical history lesson. But he said, well, we have a strong economy. Right out the gate, first thing he said. Now, I continue to kind of stress why I disagree with that comment. I mean, do we really have a strong economy? We look at the job market and, you know, he's going to talk about the labor reports. He goes on and said growth uh, going on is at a solid place. The labor market strong at 3.7 unemployment and inflation is coming down with the economy strong like that. We feel that we can approach the question of uh, can we reduce rates carefully? Do we need to do it now? Now, for me, 
is the economy strong? So listeners, you know, I get your commentary that you're putting online. I appreciate the feedback. Many of you are very much indicating that it's not a strong economy. Your bills are going up. Your household bills are going up. The basic need items are going up. It's not getting better. And later on in this interview, he talks about why those aren't going to come down. That's just a fact of a growth of economies and inflation. Specifically says it just like that. But let's face it, a lot of people are still losing jobs. And we've talked about these labor reports and why they're not 100% accurate. And we talk about the revisions that are happening afterwards that are providing a negative job growth rate, not the positive one that's being reported after the revisions come in. We have more people in the history ever of the United States working two jobs. And in some cases, they're working two part-time jobs because they lost their full-time job. We have more government jobs now than we've ever had before. This is not signs of a growing economy. We have more credit card debt historically than we've ever had before. We have the lowest savings rate that we've had pre-pandemic over the last 10 years. This is not a sign. People are depleting their savings to live off of. Credit card debt is financing lifestyles for basic needs at this point. That's not a strong economy. So to me, that was an interesting take, and it seems to be repeated over and over again. And, you know, and he really kind of rests back on the loins of that. And I just, to me, that was something that doesn't make sense. The data doesn't agree with that. But I think that this is a good example of, of, kind of painting a picture that, that this uh, Fed is doing right now. And, and it's not accurate. Uh, they basically said that, hey, listen, we want to see some more good data before we cut rates and continue to see um, inflation come down. That's what he means is the good data, continue to see it come down. Now, remember, the Federal Reserve follows the core inflation of PCE. And he says, hey, listen, we look at a six-month window because we can't control the last six months, but the current six months we're looking at. Well, if you look at the current six months, we're actually right at 2% right now. I mean, in his own words, we're already there. Why not cut rates? You know, why why be so coy about a rate cut that may or may not happen in March? Why not go ahead and say it? Well, it's because they don't want to go ahead and shock the market and everyone price it in and take it, not take advantage, but just say, hey, listen, we're going to go ahead and take the ideology that the cut's happening. So we're going to price that in now, whether it's in the bond market, whether it's in the mortgage-backed securities market, or whether it's in the stock market. But he later on goes to say, if something changes, it would be bad if they did that. So we wait until the last minute to divide that. So I'm going to fast forward through the interview here. Pelly says, hey, many in the financial industry expect you to lower the interest rates, you know, and, you know, in the month of March. Is that something that's a guarantee? Are you going to do it? He talked about, again, hey, we're focusing on this economy. We're focusing on the, the data that's going to be coming in. He said, but I would, and this was interesting, but I would also say our focus is our, on the goals that Congress has assigned us. Now, why do I say that's important? The goals that Congress has assigned. Now, they've assigned them maximum employment, you know, uh, stability in uh, price stability, and then also a target rate of inflation. But this really shouldn't be a, uh, this really shouldn't be about what the administration is assigning you right now. You should be able to stand as your own independent agency. We've talked about that before. The Fed should never play roles in politics. And he talks about that later on in the interview. He specifically says, we don't, we never would. But the reality is if you're taking marching orders from someone, you are playing politics in a little bit. And I think that's something that, uh, that he kind of speaks to right here in the interview process. And I often wonder in an election year how big of a role that's going to play. And so I think that's something that will play out here. And, and Pelly does a great job of kind of, you know, going after him a little bit and saying, hey, yeah, but there's a lot of people that will disagree with you here. They think you're playing politics. And he insisted that they weren't. But I, I do believe in an election year, the Federal Reserve, even though Powell says this is my fourth election year that I've gone through, um, I don't do that. And neither do the Fed members. But it, we'll see exactly how that plays out. Because the reality is if you're taking marching orders, you are absolutely going towards politics. 
Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. The team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. Then he gets into the national deficit. And I'm going to kind of fast forward into that real quick because I thought this was really interesting. Now, by the way, for those listeners, national deficit just crest $34 trillion. We just went from 32 to $34 trillion in eight months. Let that sit in for a minute because we took in an episode and explained what $1 trillion, how many years it would take if you spent a million dollars a day to pay that out. Um, it's kind of shocking. So to go from 32 to 34 in eight months, pretty crazy. But he goes through here and he says, hey, listen, you know, I want to ask you about the national debt. I want to ask you, do you think there's an issue going on there? Um, is, it, is it a problem? And his immediate answer was, yes, it's a problem. We can't sustain spending like this. And uh, I'll back up. Let me say this. He did say, he asked him right out the gate, Pelly did. He said, listen, national debt concerns, does it concern you? Does it not concern you? And he would say, here's my answer on this. Um, we don't try to comment on the national deficit because we don't control the na- national deficit. Now, I thought that was interesting because that was his first comment. And then Pelly presses him even more and says, yeah, but is it sustainable? And he says, it's not sustainable. And then he kind of draws out the answer that, yes, it would be a concern. It's not sustainable. But for Powell to answer, hey, listen, this is not our concern. We really don't have an issue with that. I kind of want to point out something here. It's the Federal Reserve's job to point out issues of deficit to the federal government. The federal, they should go to the federal government. Reason, here's why it's their job. Because every time we are at a deficit, we are creating more money supply in the monetary system in the form of issuing new debt. Now, if the job is to reduce inflation and we're allowing our government, our congressional government, this administration, past administrations to operate at a deficit, you're essentially offsetting what the Federal Reserve is doing. You're undermining the policy in which they're putting into place. And if your job is not to report to, excuse me, if your job is not to adhere or take advice from the government, you stand as your own agency. You should stand up and say, hey, listen, what you're doing is incorrect. And what you're doing is causing additional uh, money supply in the system, which is thus undermining what we're doing. So it's going to take us longer to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish if you keep operating at this level. That's what they should be saying. Not, well, we don't really, we're not really concerned with it. We don't pay attention to it. You should be concerned with it. You should be paying attention to it. And you are, and, and you're just not wanting to tick off the current administration. That's exactly what that is right there. Why? Because we're in an election year. That, that's probably the number one reason. The second thing is this, is that they should come back and say, hey, listen, um, the pain that this is causing the American public by delaying the by delaying this to be uh, accomplished at a quicker rate, that's, that's on the citizens of the United States. And later on, they said, are you asking the people are you asking the American people for their patience? And he said, yeah, I am. I'm asking for their patience. And I've been, I've been telling them that we were going to go through some difficult times. Hey, time out, Jerome. That doesn't make it any better. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm going to ask you for your patience. That's like saying with all due respect and then turn around and insulting someone. It doesn't work like that. So just because you're asking people for their patience and you're telling them it's going to be a tough time, does the, Amer- does the American 
people? Do the, does the public have a chance to pivot and prepare for that? No, this isn't like you're saying, hey, a hurricane's coming and it's coming in the next 72 hours, you need to evacuate. That's not what that is. And what happened is, is that they've caused so much pain in price stability that prices of your basic needs have gone up. You're seeing it at the grocery store, you're seeing it at restaurants. Uh, you've seen it some days at the pumps and then some days it's being fluctuated. But that is that is not okay. Rents have gone up. You know, anything that's involved in a product that has items in that product that are skyrocketing or being passed down to the American people. And asking people for their patience isn't the easiest way to kind of answer that or say, well, I told you so. And so the reality is this, again, he's specifically said, yeah, I don't, I don't really pay attention to the, to the um, national debt. And then he followed up with, well, it's not sustainable and it is a problem. And I think it should probably, you know, be addressed sooner than later over the long run. Uh, he said, you know, that, uh, he is worried and that we're borrowing from future generations. Now, this is after about five minutes of Scott Pelley wrestling with him back and forth and bantering him with the same question over and over again. He finally said, have you had a sense that this worries you about the national debt and the fact that it can't be substantial? He said, over the long run, of course it does. His response, you know, we're effectively borrowing from future generations and every generation really should pay for the things that it needs. And it can cause the federal government to buy things that it needs for, but really should pay for those things and not handle those bills down to the children and grandchildren. And what he's saying is, listen, you you borrow for the now, not for the future. And you don't continue to borrow for the future to pass that down to future generations. And the reality, Pelley said, well, is this, is this urgent? And he said, you could say that it was urgent, yes, meaning stop the spending. So he finally pulled the answer out of him. And the reality is here it is. You have the Federal Reserve Chairman saying, listen, we've got an issue with the national debt. It is a problem. It's something that we've done three episodes on. And we continue to talk about that it's borderline becoming irrecoverable. And at some point, you're going to see things happen to stop that from growing. And those things are going to be in the form of tax hikes, going to be in the form of a VAT tax that gets issued or taxes to the, the, the general public, uh, American people. It's going, it's going to come in that rate. Other funds that may suffer from that, and it could be Social Security Administration, it could be the Veterans Administration. I mean, the list goes on and on. It could be Department of Defense. I mean, all of those things at some point are going to have issues on that because of what we continue to spend over and over again. And for the last part of this on this episode, I will say this, that you're gonna, we're going to see a cut in March. The Federal Reserve is going to do it, and, and they, they have to at this point because there's a couple other things that national debt that they didn't get into in this interview is that if the Federal, if the Federal Reserve continues to maintain rates of where they are, the payment alone on the national debt becomes part of the deficit. It actually becomes the largest part of the deficit. So in order to reduce that, reducing rates helps that tremendously. So, you know, you can almost say that there's going to be a cut at some capacity. The answer is how much in the month of March. In anticipation of that, which we should start to see better interest rates in mortgages. We should see better interest rates on credit cards. All of this is an, uh, an impactful moment when rates come down, which all leads back to helping uh, the general public and the American people. And I think that's extremely, extremely important on here as well. Last thing, I said that was last thing. This will be the last thing. Last thing he touches on, in this interview is housing and what that means to housing. And, you know, part of the, the pain process he talked about was that, hey, listen, we knew we increased rates. We knew that would apply rate uh, sensitivity to the housing market and the credit market. And it did. And he said, and that was part of the plan. And he said, and we've seen that get better as we've talked about rate cuts. And I thought that was really important. They haven't cut anything. They've only talked about rate cuts. And in the talk of rate cuts, you're already seeing markets lower, or excuse me, rates start to be lower in certain markets, one of them being the mortgage market and some in the credit market, not as much. But imagine what happens when they actually do lower those rates. 
Imagine what is going to take place in specifically the housing market. You're going to see rates start to fall. And, and again, we've talked about why it's a cliff and not a stair and you're going to, or stair steps. You're going to see significant decreases. And when you do, it's going to cause more people to come to the market to take advantage of what is there now versus what they've seen over the last 24 months. Because you've got to think over the last 24 months, the rates have not been great. They've not been ideal. If they slip down in the low sixes, upper fives, and they maintain some stability at that, yeah, you can bet there's going to be another another wave of housing demand during that time. And that is what we're anticipating here in 2024, heading into 2025, and that stability and that demand will grow. So guys, if you like what you're hearing, please five-star review this podcast on any platform that you listen to your podcast on. And then specifically on Apple, we'd love your feedback if you leave a comment on that and on our YouTube channel. It would mean a ton to us. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you the next episode of What's Your One More. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put them all into it, yeah